0: is not going well like this the percentage of you know the average viewers it's at 61 percent right now that's by no mistake the mandalorian got good reviews because it had a good story and a good follow-up yes it always needs help with these characters these side characters trying to take the spotlight for these kind of films they struggle and they need cameos to survive and i just this we need to pick it up and i said that in two three now I'm going to say it in this one, because we're still at kind of a loss right
1: here. What if he calls in a favor from freaking Din? He's like, hey, remember how I helped you get that baby back? You owe me, dude. Like, what if we get that lined up? I would love to see. I would love to see Din back in this. That would be okay. such a cool, but I I think that they'll go another route.
0: Wouldn't that be something? Do you think he's t- going to bring Bo-Katan? I mean, he's got the dark saber. Is she gonna go
1: wherever he goes? <laughs> She's like, as soon as you fall, I'm claiming this thing. <laughs> Maybe he Do and uh, Bo Katan are romantically involved now. In no, I disagree with that.
2: I'm here for it.
1: I'm of course, you it, are. King and Queen of him. Mandalore. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Boys of Mandalore podcast. I'm Ian. With me today we have Parker and Mike. How are you fine gentlemen doing after that episode? Mm-hmm. Feeling good. <laughs> like you should.
2: Parker, did you like that one?
0: Listen. <laughs> this is this is called the Book of Boba Fett, right?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no happiness.
0: We didn't see him once.
1: No, but Tamara Morrison still got a credit.
0: Yeah, he he did. The irony is, is I don't have one f to give because (laughs) this episode was awesome.
1: It was so good.
0: (laughs) So I got to tell you why because like it was just forty five minutes of this straight of this episode. I was, I was happier than a fat kid that stole a full cake at someone else's birthday party. I had the biggest smile on my stupid face as I savored every last bit, all at the expense of one of my best friend's special day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's very descriptive.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, dude.
1: It was so good. I'm so excited to get into this. As of right now, recording, it released yesterday, so we're just one day behind. It's sitting at a 9.4 on IMDb, which is far and away the top episode installment of Book of Boba Fett. And, of course, it was directed by, now considered probably the greatest of all time, Bryce Dallas Howard. Give her freaking anything she wants to do in Star Wars.
0: I think this is like one of my favorite live-action Star Wars chapters. Ever, it was it was done so beautifully the flow the pacing the dialogue the comedy the world building the story and character development the easter eggs the execution was baskar gentlemen <laughs> Dude, there was absolutely no fat on this slice of Wagyu beef. Give me the dude with sunglasses, the mustache, the white t-shirt that bounces salt crystals off his elbow, and have him slap my meat because it was amazing.
2: I mean, think about how, like, we're going to talk about this later, but, like, the moment when we see him look into the napkin and he sees Grogu, like... That oh, tiny little moment of that episode was like a huge payoff and that was just all over the episode like dude, you
0: were saying Parker like I, even the movements when he when oh, I could, let's let's get into this let's get into this even dude the movements of of the ship were Easter eggs like let's get into it Ian start us off
1: yeah so we open on what's like the inside of a meat packaging facility. And we see a ton of different cloutoonians. And I thought this was really cool because we saw they're not all the same. Parker, you noted they look like dogs. And now I can't see anything besides dogs. And in this facility, (laughs) no, in this facility, there's so many different kinds of dogs and they're all cloutoonians. So I think it's just super Mm -hmm. cool that they expand that way. They're not all the same. And we see this silhouette in front of, I don't know what those plastic drop things are called, but you just see this dark silhouette and like two seconds just standing there and then all of a sudden in walks freaking Din. Man, like we speculated it and last week all but confirmed he was coming back, but just seeing him on screen was still so unexpected. Seeing him
0: for this long was completely unexpected.
1: A full episode?
0: A full episode.
1: Yeah, I was thinking maybe we'd get five, 10 minutes of it.
2: Yeah. And not right off the bat either. Like it just went right into it. Like here we
1: are. Yeah. Hey Mandalorian. <laughs> it was exactly like, it reminded me the way it started of that chapter in season two of Mandalorian, the Jedi, where it's just like, Hey everybody, here's Ahsoka, Except here we have Mando and Mando just kind of walks through this facility, just super calm, collected, doing his normal thing um, in search of what he finds in the back room where we see who we assume is this leader with a bunch of cronies around him and basically like, you look lost. What are you doing here? And did says, I've come for Kaba buys and he whips out his bounty tracker. And he also whips out the puck with the image of the guy on it. And it's clearly the guy sitting at the table and he's like, Oh, I don't know who that is. That's he not me. nothing <laughs> like me. <laughs> he's like, Oh yeah, not me. I'll t- let him know if I find him.
2: It was very much like the first episode of Mando. Like, that's exactly mm-hmm. how it goes down. So I did like the callback because it's, like, it's just fresh on our minds, right? Yeah. I don't know. Did you both rewatch Mando before watching Boba Fett? I did not.
0: Mm, no, but I know what you're not talking that, about.
2: But yeah, like, literally, when you get introduced to this character, it's that. Story. Yeah,
0: I mean, he says kind of the same line
2: or i can bring you in cold
0: which he totally defends
2: like throughout the other seasons he's like that's my line <laughs> so i do love that it's din right totally is
0: so then he just kind of drops his guard and it's like let's discuss our options but din is he's respectable and he's he doesn't he doesn't do that side stuff because he knows where that could lead to and it ends up where they decide to go the hard route and he, he ignites the freaking dark saber and goes ham. And I'm surprised
1: that Disney allowed this scene to happen because it is pretty violent. Yeah. You see like two clitidians just get sawed in half with the dark saber,
0: but it's so cool. And it shows the capability of these weapons. Right. But what I really love when in this action scene, he cuts himself because, you know, fighting these cloutudians and, and it's really messy and it shows that he's having a hard time wielding the saber due to apparently the unique properties of
1: what comes with it. Yeah. It's very similar to a normal lightsaber, but getting into it a little bit later, calling back to some stuff that they talked about in rebels with the dark saber specifically, it's quite different than a normal lightsaber, but he's obviously struggling with the dark saber. And it's really cool to see how continuous it is starting right here throughout the remainder of the episode too.
2: I mean, he like drags it across the ground halfway through the fight. (laughs) Like clearly it's a weapon that he is not. Do I say worthy to wield yet? Like even though he won it in battle, he still hasn't mastered it.
0: Mm -hmm. We'll kind of get to that because I want to talk about that more when, the armor is kind of training him with that, so let's let's continue, Ian.:
1: Yeah, so Mando eventually gets everybody in, in that room, except one guy who cowers and runs away, smart, and Mando gets his bounty, um, I guess his head. he uh, chopped him in half as well as the desk with the dark saber, so
2: very violent what What's going on here, Disney? Where's the tone? like let's go full violence or full? PG, right? <laughs> That's true.
0: This is after dark, man. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like Boba Fett, right? And I see sort of a couple of meshes. Like I'm still I'm still trying to in the back of my mind that this is a series of Boba Fett, even though it's a full it's it's a it's a Mandalorian episode. But we kind of see like don't cross him, right? Or he's going to give you the backhand.
1: Yeah. So Din emerges from this back room. Obviously, very wounded. He's hobbling. You can hear his labored breathing. And all these worker clatoonians have like gathered around the boss's office. And they see this guy come out with a head in a bag. And Din basically just says, your employer's dead. He had a bounty on him. There's a ton of credits in there. Help yourselves to him if you'll let me pass. Give me the honor.
0: I love that shot where you can see through you know, the, the hanging plastic of the, the blade going thump. Yeah. Decapitated him. And
1: the sound, too. It was awesome. Yeah. And then we cut. We get the epic Book of Boba Fett title. And all of a sudden, the only thing that I saw in my mind at this point was... I heard the Halo theme song playing, and oh, man. Dude this
0: was so refreshing and that's why i was like we're kind of been sitting on tatooine for a little bit long but when we saw this halo ring is i mean yeah you can say it's kind of a cop out but i mean it makes sense and it's and it's super cool like i love this
1: place yeah it apparently is called glavis and after we get a sweet pan of the ring itself kind of the atmosphere around it we see dan hobbling through the streets on his way to turn in this bounty. We see this awesome interaction with an alien species in the elevator and Din eventually gets to what looks like a club or a restaurant and he turns in this bounty to some crazy species. I could not tell what it was upon like three rewatches. But he, uh, whoever he turns this bounty into tries to continue pressuring Din to like stick around, eat dinner with us. I'm gonna give you another bounty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Din's basically like, No, here's your bounty. You promised me information and credits, give me the info. And after some pressuring, they give it to Din. And he quickly leaves. And we see him hobbling around the, I assume the underlevels of the city, and he kicks in his heat signature tracking in that good old helmet of his. And he starts seeing symbols. I don't know if they're etched if they're like painted just heat signature painting kind of point him around the underlevels until he finds a mythosaur symbol above a door and goes in. And what we
0: see is, is the remains of his clan and it, is it apparently it's not looking good because there's only two of them left, which is the armor and Paz Vizsla, which is the, the Mandalorian in, in blue armor. And he seeks healing. So Paz basically patches him up. And this was a really cool scene too. Because like even though it's all dialogue. We get a huge history bite of Mandalore. Which is something that I think the audience that doesn't know Mandalore the way we do. It kind of gets them up to speed. Yeah. It was awesome the way they, they fleshed this scene out. Because it answers so many questions. And it answers them perfectly
1: yeah and was it just me or i tried to find this and i don't believe i ever got a solid answer but paz vizsla's voice sounds exactly like john favreau Mm. and favreau actually did the voice for pre-vizsla in clone wars so that would be pretty cool if it is him
0: yeah we'll have to see if that's true or not
1: so yeah paz is patching up din and the armor questions what weapon could cause such a wound? And Din basically says, "Hey, this one." How
0: would she even know? She she smell like his burnt skin or something like that, or what? She didn't even she didn't even turn around.
1: Her. What do
0: you mean? Yeah, she has
2: a couple things.
0: She's a gangster, though. She's she's the elder. She's the only kind of library of Mandalore in a sense i mean we still have bo out there and and her crew of misfits
1: yeah like you said parker we get a sweet refresher on the dark saber its significance um she notes that there is like a prophecy that says if the dark saber is not one in combat or if it falls into the hands of the undeserving it will curse the nation it will curse mandalore to waste
0: right but i mean as as Paz is, is patching Din up, you can see his attention like flip like a light switch because Paz is is the descendant of the Visla house. Tar Vizla is a former Jedi, was the only Mandalorian to become a Jedi, that forged this blade, which is the dark So you can tell that he's jealous and he feels entitled right at the get. And when he starts to learn about Dins, how he came to acquire that Darksaber, it wasn't in the way of how it's supposed to go. Or, you know, he he won it during combat, but he did not kill Moff Gideon. And we learn that Moff Gideon is under arrest by the rebels, essentially, or the Republic. And it's possible for him to come back but like you were saying before is that the line i think it says if it's not won by combat and it falls into the hands of an undeserving it will be cursed unto the nation so this is interesting and i think this is the curse that possibly plagued bokatan because it was gifted she was gifted the dark saber by sabine right she didn't win it through combat That's right. So everything from that moment forth seemed to be going wrong. I'm talking about Moff Gideon, the purge, the destruction of the planet of Mandalore. And her obtaining the saber via combat, I guess, like her reign of Mandalore was immediately cursed, is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm.
2: And I guess... we're only getting this one side, right? We already have conflicting stories between Mandalorian and this.
0: Well, kind of, but maybe, maybe that's why Bo-Katan, like you, if she already accepted the saber from Sabine, when she gifted to her, you can see why she was so hesitant to take the saber when Din tried to relinquish it to her because now everybody kind of blames her from if if they believe this prophecy she knows that no one will follow her again if they deem her unworthy right and if she doesn't get this saber the way it was supposed to be obtained through combat yeah definitely
2: yeah symbolism
0: you see her step back when when din offers it up and so i think she's starting to believe into that curse and is is a little you know sketchy about it
1: yeah yeah at this point, Din mentions, Oh, I met a Jedi because she gives him the history that says Tar Vizsla was a Mandalorian Jedi. Din's like, Oh, I met a Jedi. And then the armor immediately is like, Oh, perfect. That means your quest is done, right? You can rejoin us and help build this covert back up. Din's like, Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then, like you said, Parker, we get Paz just continuing to question Din about. You know how did you get it the blood of millions of mandalorians is on moff gideon's hand and one interesting thing here is that the armorer says that there's a myth that denotes that the mythosaur rising up would signal a new age of mandalore and that got me wondering mando season three could he be the symbol of the mythosaur
0: that seems to be the direction, right? And I can't. And I kind of will peel back the layers as we progress through the dialogue. But well, he is a nuanced character, right? He's taken
2: off his helmet. We'll get to that in just a sec here. But I think it's definitely setting him up to be that.
1: The armor notices Din's new weapon, uh, not just the dark saber, but the Beskar spear, and he says, "Oh, it was the gift." of a Jedi. Remember he got it from Ahsoka after she defeated magistrate Elsbeth in chapter 13 of the Mandalorian. And Din's saying, yeah, it's what I used to defeat Moff Gideon. He had the dark saber. I had this, I was able to utilize it and beat him. And the armor says the very existence of a Beskar spear, a Beskar weapon endangers all Mandalorians because it can pierce Beskar armor. Beskar's meant for armor, not for weapons. And I hadn't really ever considered that, but you know, fair point. Armor that would endanger any Mandalorian that's alive. And I think that's probably why Elsbeth had that.
0: Well, I was kind of curious when she said that. I was wondering whoever forged that blade and who had the technology to forge that blade with Baskar. Because we know that the Empire had Baskar, but they didn't really know what to do with it because they don't know they didn't have the technology to craft it. And you can see when she starts to to smelt it and to make something different, she drops a, a certain ointment into the cooling chamber and it kind of purifies it. Yeah. And that's one of the steps to quench this type of armor. So it, it works for them, in a
1: sense. One thing is who was Ahsoka trying to get to via Elsbeth?
0: Well, wouldn't like, that be my boy?
1: The boy who we're freaking so stoked to see Thrawn. Thrawn right. is a freaking Apple. genius. I would not be at all surprised if Thrawn somehow had a history of Beskar, Man Oh, Maybe
0: that's he... a good one. You kicked my brain, buddy. Because he is. Because he studies cultures. Yep. He he does it to, to know how to defeat them.
1: If Exactly. If, for
0: those that are listening, if you haven't watched Rebels, Grand Emerald Thrawn is basically like an evil Sherlock Holmes of the Star Wars world. And he studies every religion, every everything, to the point where he has everything dialed in so he knows your weaknesses. And that's a good point because they know that the Beskar armor is a weakness for the Mandalorians and their greatest strength can also be their greatest weakness, so that's a very good point.
1: Yeah, and he, I mean, it obviously Mandalorians aren't out there forging weapons out of Beskar, nope, not that kind, right? Yeah, Thrawn very easily could be like, Hey, here's you know be Beskar armor, Beskar spears. <laughs> Here you go, Miles, dude. I love that theory. Ooh. I just need Thrawn in my life, like, five years ago. Oh, dude, I'm so in excited. It's at this point that Din asks the armorer what she knows about Bo-Katan. And she says Bo is a cautionary tale and essentially just dunks on her and her entire clan, clan Crees. She says they lost their way. And I think this is speaking to their more passive approach versus the warrior approach that Mandalorians have historically had. Both sister Duchess Satine in Clone Wars was a very polarizing figure for Mandalore because she elected to rule more justly, more democratically than Mandalorians had historically done. Right, And she said it leads to the destruction and the downfall of Mandalore.
0: I mean, it, it got them to the point where these factions and different different religions of the mandalorians they they got cast out and separated right clan visla was stationed on the moon of concordia and that's how most of them survived the purge paz visla was born the blue mandalorian he was born on that moon and so that's why some of them survived the purge of a thousand tears
1: yeah we get an incredible flashback to that Night of a Thousand Tears, the destruction of Mandalore.
2: Oh, those bombers.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the,
0: the TIE bombers and then the K-2 units sweep in-house, killing any survivors. What
2: are those ones from Hoth? The first time I see them are in Hoth. Oh yeah, the, the probe the droids.
1: Imperial. Yeah, the probe droids, probe droids. over
0: yeah. overhead. It's kind of like a Terminator yeah. scene. Dude, it but was ex- uh-huh.
1: it was exactly it gave me heavy Terminator Two vibes.
2: Right. And were those helmets in the ground? It was kind yeah, of hard
0: dude, you can see hands, and when they were shooting at the grounds, and they were lighting up. It was really good shot, oh, and those explosions yeah. were freaking sweet and really well done. Yeah.
1: After the Beskar spear has been heated. The armor is like, hey, what do you want me to craft? And I thought, oh, what other piece of freaking armor is Din gonna have? That's yeah. What else? The-
0: what else does he need?
1: Yeah, he's like butt plate. He's tapped out. He has a butt plate. I he only- does. I only know this because I'm building a cosplay for it.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought you know that for other reasons. Mm-hmm.
1: That sweet, <laughs> sweet Beskar booty. <laughs> um, and Din says you should forge it into something for a foundling. Not just any foundling, a specific foundling. Then he says, Grogu. And I freaking, I lost it here. I was like, oh my gosh, he said Grogu. And he says, I want to see him. I want to make sure he's safe. And I just, I, I couldn't handle it. I'm getting emotional right now. I've always was
0: curious to see what Din has been up to after Grogu left. Like, Grogu changed Din's life to the path of becoming a better person, right? And he was kind of like a moral compass that drove him to serve a greater purpose. With Grogu being gone, you kind of feel seem like Din is falling back into his old habits, like that of bounty hunting Mm -hmm. and then going back to the clan, renouncing, like trying to to fit back into this family when he when he did take off his helmet. And I think he just fell back into his comfort zone because he kind of lost purpose in a
1: way. I mean, what are you going to do? Grogu basically made Din a father. Like all those things you said, I feel like happen to everybody when they become a father, when they become a mother. And then to have that ripped away from you, I'm sure off screen Din's been very troubled, emotional and trying to maybe, cover up and just go back to what he knows what he's done for his whole life right it's kind of sad
2: i want to see his armor (laughs) all i could picture was groku in mandalorian armor so i'm
1: ready show me i i don't know what to think that they crafted because you see, like, little ringlets? I think it's
0: just a chain mill shirt. Like, you know, in the Lord of the Rings where he had m- Mithril, Frodo Baggins had Mithril. I think that's kind of like the same kind of thing. Could be. It's just, just a chain link shirt or kind of to fit underneath his
1: robes. You don't think it's going to be a sweet Beskar chain? Courtney said maybe it's a little Beskar necklace, and then he could put the little shifter ball from the razor crest on it. <laughs> That would be cute, Courtney <laughs> said that? yeah, she was I thought
0: she oh, needs to be she needs points. I would have never thought of that.
1: I wouldn't have either, oh my God, that's hilarious, love, it. yes, I agree, but then Mike, you brought up the point, like her packaging of it, like the way she tied the little knapsack, it legit it it looks like grogu, and i couldn't I couldn't handle it, oh, anyway, let's progress before I start crying on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We see it. Din and the armorer training in combat with the Dark Saber.
2: And what is she saying? Do we know what she's saying? I think she's all? just
1: counting. She's
0: no, she well, she is, but those are actually moves um that he's he's doing and training that way. But I know they're names of, of moves that he's supposed to to swing with his saber.
1: Mm. And he's again really, really struggling. She says you're fighting against the blade, and Din even says it's getting heavier with every move.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? Is because when when Din acquired the dark saber, it comes with like this responsibility, right? And he's he's essentially the leader of of Mandalore, whether he wants it or not. I think he's just rejecting this responsibility, and in turn. It's almost like the saber is treating him equally, ejecting, like rejecting him for the lack of commitment. And it seems like there's this relationship between the saber and the wielder. It's kind of like a King Arthur and Excalibur, like Thor and Mjolnir, and Harry Potter and like the Elder Wand. Like I'm getting that sense. And I think thus forth, Din has been using this dark so- saber for maybe selfish reasons. And I wonder that's why the blade maybe kind of is, is resisting him a little bit. So he's kind of, he's kind of going down a a path of regret. And we all know like feeling that feeling of regret is just like heavy baggage and all we, we cling to it and it, and it just disrupts from having a good life. And that's kind of how I pulled away from it. Does it give him the leadership title, or does it give him the
2: claim to it?
0: It gives him the claim, but...
2: I feel like you have to earn it, and Gideon in well, one way or another earned it, right?
0: Well, that well, that's but, kind of the thing. that That is that is an interesting question. I just think this is the way they're going to go with, with the Sabres, right? Because in Rogue One, I think uh, I forgot the, the blind dude with the stick that's kind of Force-sensitive. I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. Yeah, he mentions that the kyber crystals kind of have feelings, right? And they're they're kind of like thinking things or sentient things on on a different scale. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. But what do you think?
1: It it made I like your takeaway and where you came away from that. It immediately reminded me of a scene in Rebels where Kanan is training sabine with the darksaber sabine mandalorian never took any kind of jedi training never used a lightsaber of any kind and immediately when she gets it and ignites it she says
0: it's heavier than i thought
2: energy constantly flows through the crystal you're not fighting with a simple blade as much as you are directing a current of power
1: your thoughts Your actions, they become energy. They flow through the crystal as well and become a part of the blade. Later in the training session, after a lot of work... The
0: blade feels lighter.
1: You're connecting with it. It's becoming a part of you. I think that one thing that the armorer says is, you know, you can't control it with your strength and your mind is distracted. I think that it makes perfect sense that growing up we saw these Jedi like effortlessly wielding lightsabers We've seen lots of people with two lightsabers, and they grow up in this environment where they're taught to master their feelings to become one with the Force, whereas somebody like Sabine and Rebels or Din in this instance, they, they don't really have great control over their mind,
0: mm. like a Jedi would. Right, because they've been through so much and then given this weapon and Din's struggling to wield this thing, right? He's not one with the Force. The Force is not with him. Not yet. Not yet. That's the thing. There. It's like, when he says, I want to go see him to see his safe, is he is he going to see Grogu? And we know who's with Grogu. Is Luke Skywalker. Is Luke Skywalker mm. going to give him some swinging lessons? Maybe Luke, maybe Ahsoka? Mm. Ahsoka? Maybe. maybe, maybe, but <sighs> anyway, we know he's seeing Grogu, right? He has
1: to,
2: yeah, we'll get to that. Grogu's gonna help him rule Mandalore as a foundling. Oh my god, <laughs> the most adorable little prince! And no, he's gonna be wearing his armor, and I'm not going with the chainmail, I'm not going with Mithril. Parker, I'm going with like full on Mando armor on <laughs> Grogu, him
1: flying
0: around. They don't. They can't fit that in the budget, bro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Paz Vizsla interrupts and says, "Maybe the dark saber belongs to someone else, like Parker hinted at and discussed before. You know, it was forged by his ancestor. He probably feels it belongs to me." Then they challenge, or he challenges Din to a duel, which Din accepts. And again, we see the massive struggle that Din has in trying to swing the Darksaber. You know, it's very, very difficult for him. Paz, with his blade and his shield on his gauntlet, is able to overpower Mando pretty easy, and he, like, picks him up and chucks him. I didn't think he was going to land on this little area because they took off their jetpacks, but Paz eventually gets a hold of the Darksaber, and even he struggles with it, and I think it's noteworthy. From what was just discussed, because Paz is this big, large, strong Mandalorian dude, and he's even struggling with it, showing, I think, that your mind plays a lot into wielding something like the Darksaber. Um, eventually, the armor calls the duel off. Din basically gets his Viber blade out and he has the Viber blade to his neck. And it's at this point, the armor is like, it's done. And then she asks Paz if his helmet has ever been removed or been removed by others. Paz says, no, no, this is the way. And then she asks Din. And he, of course, cannot honestly say that he has not removed his helmet, having done so pretty recently in The Mandalorian. Oh, and he hesitates. (laughs) He's got some shame going on. He really does. And, man, but just thinking about, like, what it took for him to do that in that moment in the Mandalorian to save Grogu.
0: Well, I mean, that is it. The whole thing is interesting because in this moment, I mean, I thought he was going to push back and kind of challenge the armor a little bit on this, this way of, of the creed. But I think that the series of Mandalore that's going to be coming in these new series, I think it's just going to be about, power and how it's wielded, and also like communities and acceptance, there isn't a right way to be a Mandalorian.
1: Yeah.
0: There is, they are united by their home and their common goals, not by arbitrary rules that they follow. We see this like in today's America where people like insist that there is one true way of of living essentially shoving right wing and left wing and r- religion ideologies down each other's throat, which it's absurd, right? Yeah. I, I just, I think the older that I get, it just makes more sense that there isn't one correct way to live. I guess what I'm trying to say is that didn't, didn't, didn't stand up for what he truly believes. And he didn't challenge or confront the armor about like how he was raised in this cult. And the, these rules ripped in from the title of Mandalorian being called apostate, being exiled from the only family he thought he had left. He's essentially being canceled. Yeah. So, I mean, now it's just to the point. Grogu's gone. He doesn't have a ship. He has no clan, no family, no, no place to call home. He has to, has to use, Public transport, and he gets rid of his weapons. And then when he's sitting in that in that transport, looking out the window, dude, he just feels like no purpose alone. Yeah,
2: this is gonna take him to the next level. Like he's at the bottom. Like right, he still has claim to the throne. He still has. Mm -hmm. He's wielding the dark saber. He's lost his trainer, but now he has to go learn how to do this on his own. So I think that whatever comes of this right and we already see him going towards some good ways. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, specifically referencing like that he doesn't ask Boba Fett for his money. He says, I'm gonna do this for you because I'm a bro. Like I see that din arc going towards the true leader of Mandalore. Exactly. Like you were saying about like our country, like destruction comes from that,
0: right? Right and i think with and and boba and din's kind of way of finding themselves and kind of recreating themselves in a sense boba's kind of a good example of of leadership and how he wants to to lead and so when they get together i maybe Din can see that and start to come around the idea of maybe he can start his own family. He has the sword. And if he's willing to take up this challenge, he can, he can follow in kind of Boba's footsteps and build this empire and, and this home that all the Mandalorians desperately need. Uniting the Bogtans, the
2: Boba feds. Correct. And, these cult members because like Bo-Katan clearly does not like Boba. I've heard your voice a million times. <laughs> you know, that's what she said to him.
0: No, well yeah, Bo Katan doesn't like Boba because he just thinks he's a clone like every everyone else, right? But we know for a fact that Boba's kind of steering his own ship at this point and it and that's not the case. So that's more story building that maybe
1: we'll get down the road. Yeah, Uh, Din arrives to Moss Eisley via the Starliner, where he quickly goes to pay a visit to good old friend Pelimoto, right in the nick of time, because she's fighting a Womp Rat, I believe. Snapped up her little BD droid. Shout out to BD One from Jedi Fallen. BD One, bro. I don't know
0: if it's B. I don't know if it's actually his droid, but it's so. Cool to see this droid in live action. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. It's just like they're they're hitting the buttons. They're hitting all my buttons very very nicely. Yes.
2: I mean we went from like the handkerchief Grogu right to BD. And I'm like, okay, Bryce, just keep it coming. Yep. Just keep it coming. We're ready. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Din shows up and caps that womp rat. <laughs> he sure does. And we find out that Din is there visiting because Peli apparently reached out to him and said, "Hey, I found a replacement for your uh, Razor Crest, which R.I.P. Razor Crest. We'll never forget you."
0: Because I was just like, "Why is he randomly showing up on Tatooine? Like this doesn't make sense." But now I'm like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good answer.
1: Absolutely, a very good answer." Peli takes him back into her hangar. We see this special little ship under some tarps. She pulls it back. And what do we see? We see
0: the N1 Naboo starfighter.
1: Oh my God. Duel of fates playing. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Listen, this is what I, <clears throat> I love most about this episode is that the facets of the gym just shimmer from all directions from, from star Wars content. We have Tatooine that, like, ties us into the original trilogy. We have the N1 Starfighter, you know, paying homage to the prequels. We have the BD1 droid that hits the video games. We have the Darksaber that hits the animations. We're taking care of the mass umbrella of consumed content by fans. And I'm sure it was fun for the average viewer, but holy shit, it was just a treat for the hardcore fans.
1: Yeah. I mean... I know the whole episode felt like just Easter egg after Easter egg. And I was just sitting there with a big goofy smile on my face, like wiping away tears constantly.
0: (laughs) And this is how you do a building montage. This took 10 minutes, like 10 minutes in this building time. I loved every friggin' second of it. It was, it was so cool.
1: But Din's, Din's kind of pissed. He's like, that's not a Razor Crest. (laughs) You told me you had a replacement for the Razor Crest. And Belly's like, well, let' why don't you reserve your judgment and we'll build it because it's not finished. And I'll give you some custom mods, make the ship even faster. And one really useful thing that'll come in handy for Din, I guess, if he continues bounty hunting, is because it's pre-Empire, it doesn't have any sort of um, tracking necessary that the Empire instilled when they ruled the galaxy. So it's off the grid. Pretty cool.
2: Not a lot of cargo though. Like do you have any speculation? That is that? the
0: thing. I do have a speculation on that because this is kind of what I was saying is that he was starting to fall into his old habits of, of, uh, being a hunter again. Right. This is kind of, detracting him, the ship is detracting him from doing just that because he doesn't have a cargo hold to froze carbonite people, you know, and bring them across Valley. It's just a, a small fighter meant for, for him and possibly someone else because the whole of the, the asteroid droids has been carved out and it looks like it might fit a
1: Grogu in there. Mm-hmm. It's got its own little Space little dome. dome. I'm like, oh my gosh! If we get a scene of those two flying in space, and we just see Grogu's head popping out, and like looking around, I'll just be a puddle. But yeah, this this freaking build montage was incredible, and it it had like character progression. It had awesome bits from all the different droids we've seen. We seen even with D1. the Jawas.
0: Apparently, they're furry underneath there.
2: dated a jawel for a while. They're quite furry, very furry. I know the show is very fond of like. <laughs> giving us the reproductive habits of furry creatures.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We had the Banthas last week. We got Jawas
2: this week. Those lips. Now I can never stop thinking about the lips because of biz.
1: (laughs) They mod this baby out. Like, it's incredible.
0: So dope. So dope. It's like a, a muscle car. Yeah. He's got making sure everything is just it's just coming out of the hole of the ship right just it doesn't quite fit but they make it work and some of the easter eggs of the i think like the power converter i forgot what it is but um han solo is like an easter egg of han solo using it to to uh, stall the trash compactor from crushing luke skywalker and princess leia yeah and the trash compactor so
1: which and the jawas apparently din's like hey i need one of these parts and the jawas came back a couple of days later and he's like well where did they where did they find this <laughs> Pelly says oh they just ripped it off of a pike ship
0: <laughs> right and so you get the little connection of the pikes still
1: roaming messiahsley pelly says ever since they've been moving spice through the system everything's gone to hell and like the authorities can't do anything with them, and exactly that's exactly it. It's just tying in what we've been getting with Boba Fett,
2: getting him to like actually get some stuff going. But yeah, like I feel like Din has to feel bad for those Jawas because he did give them a tip to Peli's demise, and um, I mean the last time he saw Jawas, he was like eviscerating them, just making them disappear, ghosting them with his and,
0: pulse like, rifle,
2: getting out of there. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is interesting, right? Because the Jow was, he was jacking the parts from his ship, and now they're giving parts for his ship.
2: Yeah, and he's like, hmm, where are they getting these? It's just (laughs) a cycle of life. hmm. Man. So, very furry. Very furry.
1: Furry little buggers. (laughs) Finally, the ship is complete, and Peli specifically notes that she hogged out the droid compartment. And like we said, it's fitted with like a little airlock. I mean, I guess if he wants to bounty hunt, you could shove somebody in there maybe. But it's it's going to be Grogu. <laughs> and it's finally time for a test run. They just go full bore. No diagnostics. Oh so
2: dope. Ugh. Well, Din is like worried about it. And she's just like, go. Open her up.
0: Right. <laughs> she's current. She's current like a kitten dude i love how it's not fully complete like i just love that look to it but then he takes off and starts to get a feel for the ship but we notice some things that are familiar of about the terrain Mm -hmm. and it's boon to eve and baker's canyon and this is what i'm talking about the easter egg of just the movement he turns sideways to get into this canyon like the pod racers did with uh, dude, I remember playing the '64 game when I was a kid, and and at that part you have to turn sideways or else you you die. And I remember doing that all the time. I was just like, oh, I got emotionally attached to this scene, yeah, because he starts to fly through this thing, and he also passes another scene, which is the ramp that Anakin Skywalker got kicked off the concourse because of Saboba, and you can see like they didn't fix it. You see like the, the broken, the broken uh, fence still on the ground there. And then he goes up into the stars and I was like, dude, that was so cool.
2: Yeah. How fast he gets up to space too. Like, I love that whole scene. I mean, Matt, this is call out to you and playing flight simulator. Like I've been playing flight simulator here and there. And I'm like, I need that in flight sim. <laughs> so dope. Cause yeah, like, Oh, that whole sequence of him leaving atmosphere that quickly was amazing. And Parker, I'm right there with you with the game. Like, I remember playing that pod racing game and just loving it. And seeing this character go through this area kind of gives me, like, vibes of, is this a character calling back to a darker Anakin Skywalker? Or, like, that path of light, right? Right. Like at that point in the movies and well, series. It's it's and...
0: more like a pat, path of um infants. Like he's he's kind of learning how to fly again. Kind of kind of like Anakin's trying to find his way to become a Jedi and taking steps to become off world and to be free from a slave. This I'm just spitballing right now. But Oh yeah. But I mean he's at
2: Beggar's Canyon. He's in an N1 starfighter, which Anakin just, like, magically knew how to drive, <laughs> her pilot, and then magically took out the whole Fe- Trade Federation ship. You know, the callbacks. There's your, yeah,
0: you, there's your connection. Yeah. So are the And it doesn't respectfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't go too That's over right. the top. Like, it's just a little sprinkle.
1: And it's, it was executed great. Yeah. He does say the maneuverability is phenomenal. I think... His exact verbiage is "It's as smooth as a gonks scompjack.
2: jack." Yeah, I had to like pause that a million times to get. <laughs> I was like, "What did he just say?" Get all gone. Put on the captions. I want to know what that is about. I want to know what how smooth a gonks scompjack jack. I is.
0: know when she said it was faster than a whatever, and that was the horse that she. Um, that the was in, in the yeah the Favir, which are the ho- horses in the the sequel trilogy, in that glorious. Glorious um scene, <laughs> scene with the what, what was it the gambling scene? Yeah, the Cantabite scene. It was the best scene in the, the world. Card,
2: the don't they were looking for the keymaker. The
0: I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, he's in space. <laughs> yeah, and he pa- he passes the same freighter that he was on, and we still see the Rodian looking out the window, which we didn't really get to talk about him. But when he was on on that that ship and looking at that Rodian which is a you know a small kid he he does miss grogu and and then i just think that uh he's he was on the the inside looking out and now he's on the outside looking in to where to where he used to be and so now he has a purpose or somewhere he's he's getting a brand new start yeah
1: he's doing some tight maneuvers flying pretty close to that uh star cruiser and lo and behold he gets he essentially just gets pulled over by some New Republic X-Wing pilots.
0: This is what I'm saying about the movement again. Speaking of maneuvers, he starts to spin in circles like Anakin did. He's like, hey, maybe I'll spin around. That's a good trick. And then he started doing the same thing, and then he got caught by the police.
2: Yep. I never thought X-Wings would be a
1: disappointment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, i these guys again.
1: I was waiting for like a Super Troopers spinoff or something. That'd be good. Um, but yeah, there's two X-Wing pilots kind of following him along with him, saying that he was flying too close to a commercial ship, he was operating without a beacon. The whole interaction was awesome. The young pilot, you have a very gung ho young pilot, like new kid on the block who wants to pull everybody over, give everybody a ticket for going too over the speed limit, and then you have the old veteran and he kind of cuts in and the older pilot says, I love it so much. We'll let him, we'll just let him off with a warning. And then Din's like, Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And he's like, you're hold on. Your voice sounds familiar. Did you used to fly a razor crest? And Din's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. He's like, can you uh, come down and answer some questions? And Din just hits this switch and he is gone. Dude. That shit was so, so cat's meow. Oh, it was so good. And then the young
2: sublight thrusters, which like... Yeah, so
1: the guy was can snap your neck so and fast. make you
0: pass out, which I don't know how the hell he can survive that big of a thrust, but it's Star Wars.
2: Hey, it's fine. I mean, it is the vacuum of space. Is Well, and Star Wars defies all <laughs> physics, so... <laughs> But, um, like, you see it when he's going into atmosphere. He, like, barely can hold on. So That's yeah. true. Love it.
1: And then the final interaction with these two pilots is they're like, are uh, we, we going to report this? And he's like, nope, I don't want to do paperwork. And then Mando goes back to Pelly's hangar. And here's another little Easter egg. She asks him how it was, and he says it was wizard. 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 It's a callback to Anakin's friend in episode one, Kitster. I think he says, like, that pod racer is so wizard or something.
0: So wizard, Annie. How do you get so lucky?
1: Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> and Pelly's like, oh, good. I'm glad you like it. One of your friends came by and was asking if you were looking for work. And I I don't know. Just asked if I had seen you. But we locked her out. Don't worry. And then Fennec's like, hey, what's up? I'm up here. And she comes down to Din, says, are you looking for any kind of work? And... Dan assumes it's like a bounty contract. She's like, nope, not a bounty. We just need some muscle. Dan kind of connects the dots and says, oh, for Boba. Fenix says,
2: he sure would appreciate. it."
0: Tell him it's on the house. But first, I got to pay a visit to a little friend. Yeah, so this is kind of the only... Gripe I have with this whole thing is that. So is he going to see Grogu before he helps Boba?
1: Who knows?
0: We have two episodes left. Okay, now we're. Co- this was awesome. I love every. I love every second of this. So if if we get another full episode of The Mandalorian, like we just did. Isn't that seem a little distracting?
1: It'll be a lot to tie up in one chapter.
0: That's the thing is like, I don't want the book of Boba Fett to be like a complete loss and out of focus on the character of Boba Fett. Like I want to see the Mandalorian and I'm excited to see where this, where it goes, but there's just, there's just not much time left is what I'm, I'm feeling. Like seeing one chapter of Din is super cool. Two chapters back to back, that is a complete interruption.
1: And it, it got me thinking that there is no way in my mind right now that we're only getting seven episodes of Boba Fett
0: you think there's a second season?
1: I think there's going to have to be because even as is, if we get two chapters dedicated, like full hour-long chapters, I don't think they can wrap it up. So I wouldn't be surprised if... I, I
0: worried about this, dude. I'm like, fuck, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Like We're still at a loss, right? We still... I have no answers. I have no answers. And for them to... And then the back of my mind is just... I don't think they have enough time to successfully stick this landing if they're going to try to do that. Yeah. There's no way that took way too much time from the character arc.
1: Yeah. I think that we're going to get some kind of high and mighty like game of Thrones style season finale where maybe they're lining up to go to war with the pikes and then it bleeds into the first part of Mando season three And we get an eventual second season of Book of Boba Fett. I don't know. Because, yeah, there's not much time. But some people that I saw on Discord had posted pictures that crew members had shared, like swag that they got. And everything said the Book of Boba Fett production team season one. So, I don't know. Give me more. What are they going to... Well, they gotta flesh out the
2: bikers, so we definitely need at least two episodes. What do you mean the
0: bikers? Two. What are you talking about? They're dead. <laughs> Boba blast them! Are you talking the about the Are bikers. you talking about the scooters? The mods? The Vespas? <laughs> Those aren't bikes, bro. Those
2: the segways. <laughs> yeah, you can call them that. <laughs> the... <laughs> no, I, I'm with you, Ian. I think that it's definitely gonna be a second season. Like, there's too too much. That he can, it's going to go back and forth with Mando too Like these stories are going to align
1: And I also think that I think that the book of Boba Fett The Mandalorian And the Ahsoka show will all kind of Intertwine with each other And Eventually culminate into something I like about this. No I don't think Obi-Wan will Because Obi-Wan's no? set in a very distinctive time frame Before now. and it's,
0: And it's back
1: yeah, Long past
0: before this time frame. Got it. But I mean, I, I do see kind of like the stories that are linked in the sense that Boba is, has left hunting behind. Like I said, to become a leader, that's exactly. And like I said, I think that's exactly the example didn't need in order, like the responsibilities that he's accumulated from the dark saber. Um, so that's where I kind of think this is meshing. I mean, we didn't even see the character of Boba Fett, but like he says, I, I'm really curious yeah. to see what six and seven is going to be.
1: Episode six, chapter six, will be directed by Dave Filoni, mm-hmm. so should be should be great. Has
2: he directed anything? Yeah, as he's done,
1: of- he's done a few of the Mandalorian through season one and season two. He directed the episode with Ahsoka. So maybe Din's gonna get some Darksaber training from Ahsoka. But
0: I don't know how I feel
1: about this. We'll see. You're gonna love it.
0: I mean, if if the episodes was like today's, like that's the only thing that's this episode was so cool. Like they they nailed it, but taking a slice out of Boba Fett's cake was it's just a little weird. It just f- kind of felt
1: weird, but it was definitely in a good way. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they bridge the gap and everything feels very cohesive when it's all said and done. We'll see.
0: Hope you know what you're doing, but did you you can just feel like the the budget between that particular episode versus the previous of any of the book of Boba Fett's like you got eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're gonna splurge for this one. I mean I mean,
0: obviously they made made a complete prop of the ship, and that ship's going to be around for the the third season of The Mandalore. And then also like the the scenes and production and the sets of this episode were way top notch and high quality. Even most Eisley looked like Og, in, in the prequels, Moss Eisley, like, yeah, it looked really good. Other than Boba Fett's Moss Eisley, which was a couple of huts when he went to go visit the Pikes, right? It just didn't seem like Moss Eisley. Maybe outskirts. Maybe. Just pointing that out. Yeah, I'm done complaining. This
1: was really good. Give Bryce Dallas Howard whatever she wants. Give her a blank check. Love give her, a, give her a trilogy. Give her a show. Give her any. Dude, the
0: female did dude the female directors are killing it.
1: Yeah, they really are. Wow. Dig it.
0: Anything else in closing?
2: Or do we say these things in the name of the Jedi? <laughs> Amen.
1: <laughs> this is uh, I guess maybe now we can't say this is the way. Ooh.
0: Ooh. yeah, how do we, feel about yeah cult? Well, we didn't really talk about him going have to go back and to baptize in the waters of or the wells of Mandalore the mines, the you know? mines yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I mean I, I it's got to be some kind of water wells within deep within in in the planet but maybe he goes to Mandalore to to complete this action and runs across the mythosaur
1: who knows
2: mm. and this thing is not real up until now the mythosaur
1: they are more of like a legend he was he was
0: he was in a christmas (laughs) a christmas commercial so technically he's real
1: i don't know i mean it would be interesting to see that but i kind of think maybe Din's just gonna say all right sweet i guess i'm not mandalorian anymore i'm gonna go get my kid from jedi summer camp and
0: it seems i mean that way makes most sense and that's why I was just thinking, why didn't he do that in the first place? But like I said, I think with him losing Grogu um, kind of rattled his his uh, reality cage a little bit where he stands. Yeah. So we kind of know psychologically where Din is in the next series and what he's building because he, he went so far and then kind of, Lost everything, and now he's back to ground zero, and has to build this back up again. So it's it's really good storytelling. I'm I'm enjoying this. The thing is, is just with with the the Mandalorian is just every question that has been answered in the Ma- in the Mandalorian, and it's, and I mean within given time, and not only are they are they being answered like they're good answers, other than the Boba Fett. So just think the writing's way fleshed out and Ian you probably said this in the text that they were doing this series of Boba Fett to squeeze what were you saying in the text line
1: with it being such a limited seven part series I almost wonder if they had delays that they knew they were coming up on for season three of the Mandalorian and they said maybe we could squeeze like a handful of episodes out for Boba Fett real quick because they're filming season three right now for Mando and maybe they thought that they needed to give audiences something to kind of tie them over until season three comes out, hopefully later this year and still kind of add stuff to the world. I don't know. Just the whole seven episode series seemed a bit weird to me.
2: It seems like a decision a corporation would make to keep us
1: Attentive. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it. Keep the Disney Plus and subscriber numbers that, up. Yeah, exactly.
0: Just like Mark Campbell said, it's not about quality and if the story is good. It's all about what makes them money.
2: Oh yeah.
1: I mean Disney's stock price is in the crapper right now. Thanks, Disney. Tis it. Tis it. Yeah. Thanks, Bob Chapek.
0: You 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 losing stock?
1: A little bit. You got stock in Disney? <laughs> I, got, I got some Disney stock. I figure I give them enough of my money. I might as well like reinvest it somehow. We might as well gamble it. Yeah, why not? But yeah, it's like you need a financial advisor. <laughs> Gimpy, get at me. I want to be retired tomorrow. You ain't
0: gonna be through Disney if they keep on doing that shit with Bo- Book of Boba Fett and Cyberpunk characters.
1: Man, I just I can't wait for next week. I don't know what to expect, really. I don't know if we'll get more Mando or if we'll get pure Boba Fett. I don't know. It's kind to be all Boba Fett. Like, I feel like they can't give
2: us that little of Boba Fett. Oh, now.
0: I think I Boba think Fett. they can do whatever the freak they want, Mike. And we're seeing that right now. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> give we're, can, we're closing this stuff because cool. we're starting to ramble now. But I'm super happy that this episode exists. Uh, I enjoyed every second of it. Yes. Um, just the one line where he's going to go see Grogu before he helps Boba Fett when he needs help now just kind of blew my mind and threw me off a little yet. We got two more episodes. Don't know if we're going to even close this thing or wrap this thing up. So it, it sounds like we're getting into season two and these filler episodes
1: are gross. <laughs> <laughs> just give me all the Star Wars content.
0: I just... Pick it up, Boba Fett. Pick it up.
1: Every time you say that, we get a banger episode. So let's see. Good.
0: Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Pick it up.
1: Give it to us, baloney. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm done. All right. This is kind of the way.
2: Yay. <laughs>